0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to The Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after The Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Okay. Shabbat, shalom. Shabbat shalom. And uh, I've had some really good practice this week. Of course, we do these songs every month, so they're a little easier to do. But then my keyboard reversed itself again. I, kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all heard it, but it was elongating when it shouldn't have been and staccato when it shouldn't have been. And I had to work of hell backwards in my head, so if it sounded clunky, I apologize. And one day we're going to have all those books in one huge book. It won't be too entirely long. Hopefully within a year. All right, Kukat, the mysterious statue of, and that is in reference to, that's the name of our portion, that's in reference to the red heifer, if you've forgotten. Uh, The red heifer was supposed to be faultless, spotless, never burdened, in other words, never hooked to a yoke to bear a burden, and of course, that is a picture of Yeshua, and that heifer was supposed to be killed outside the camp, and her ashes were used to cleanse people who had touched the dead. Uh, particularly the priests. So all of that, of course, is a picture of Yeshua. And death, in that sense, was very physical, but it represents the kingdom of darkness of this world, of Hasatan and of Sheol. The wages of sin is death. Hasatan is the one who entices us into sin. He did it originally through Adam and and because of that, we all are born in it. And Yeshua speaks in our gospel portion about the kingdom, his kingdom, kingdom of Elohim. Um, Yohanan 3.16, John 3.16 is the very favorite verse of Baptists, and every four-year-old back in the day knew that verse. I think I posted something about that recently on my blog that I specifically remember reciting that verse back behind our barn, swinging on a swing with my sister. And three years old, and uh, that verse promises Haye Olam, eternal life. And that blessing, the blessing of eternal life, was promised in the Old Testament in multiple places. But one of the most obvious places is 133, Psalm one thirty three. Psalm one thirty three. At the end of it, in verse three, it says, "Like the dew of Hermon, and what that." What is being compared to the dew of Hermon is the anointing oil. And of course, Yeshua is the Messiah, the anointed one. It is like the dew of hermon That's the northernmost tallest mountain in Israel, where all the, the waters of the Jordan River come from. And uh, that comes down upon the mountains of Zion. For there, there Yahweh commanded the blessing, even Chaim Ad HaOlam Life into eternity. So eternal life was promised in the Old Testament, and people think that Yeshua just sprang it on. That's right. And he did. And Nicodemus should have known that he was a teacher. Basically, he was a Pharisee. He was a rabbi, and he should have known that. And in Yochanan 3, Yeshua is explaining it to him that a person who wants to do miracles has to see the kingdom first. People look at those verses in Yochanan, John chapter 3 and they think Yeshua is only talking about a distant place That we fix in our mind called heaven. In other words, when people think of John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. They think about eternal life as in going to heaven. Anybody? That was your former understanding of it? Yes. Absolutely. It's not what he was talking about. That's part of it. But it's not what Yeshua was talking about. He was talking about salvation, but eternal life begins. When you see the Messiah and you confess it. And that's what he's talking about when Yeshua told him, "You will, anyone who wants to see the kingdom of Elohim must be born again. Yeshua answered saying to him, Amen, Amen. I say to you, if a man is not born anew, and that's rooted in Hadash, It's not again, another time. It's Chadash, born anew. In other words, he is renewed. He cannot see, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Yeshua later told his Tabadim, the kingdom of God is with you, talking about himself. And then he turns right around and says, and it will be in you. The point that I'm driving at is Yeshua is the king that is going to rule, and is already ruling, in God's kingdom. Are you with me? So when Nicodemus comes to him and says, we know that you're a man sent from God because we see the miracles that you do, Yeshua doesn't even address the miracles Says if you want to see the kingdom of God You have to be renewed And here's the thing you have to understand Nicodemus was a very educated And very religious person Being born again Being born anew Means being born into The kingdom of God It means having God's king Living in you That's what it means God has set up a kingdom, and he said that a son of David would sit on that throne forever. It was a promise. And that throne is first established in each of the, the, the subjects of his kingdom in their heart. And that's done through trusting in the son of God, and that's the whole point that Yeshua was trying to make with Nicodemus. He, he had told us. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born anew, and then he says keep <speaking in Hebrew> keep his unified beloved son. <speaking in Hebrew> that whoever would firmly trust in him, it's not just cognitive belief. It's an ongoing trust. Aman is the word for faith and it's the word for a firm foundation, established. Alright? Anyone who does that, lo yovad elah yiyu lo He will not be destroyed or perish but he will there will be for him There will exist for him life eternal. And that is done by the anointing, by the presence of Messiah, God's appointed king, and it's right now in our very being. And that's what Yeshua was talking about. So we, who actually trust in Yeshua, and don't just parrot what religious people say, we who trust in Yeshua can see the kingdom of God. You can see it. And sometimes it's a very literal thing. But you see it in your brothers. You see the Messiah in the transformation of people around you. And guess what? It's not supposed to be like... In the, like and, and I'm not... I, I can't bash badness because it was one. Alright? But the way it works there is... You see the transformation of the person who walked up the aisle and shook the preacher's hand and said, I want to be saved. Right. And many times it was genuine, many times it was not. But never do you see, or very rarely, do you see the continuation of a transformation. Most of the congregation is stuck at the same level they were when they got saved. Anybody? Yes. yes. All right. The point that I'm making is, hopefully, you're seeing a continuation of the transformation of God in me, and I'm seeing it in you. Yes. And I do. Amen. And that's what I pray for. And there's, of course, more to it than that. Eternal life is, the promise of John 3.16 is, it's not a stamp so you get through the gate. You know what I'm talking about? put it under the black light so you can get in right it's not a ticket so you can get into the concert and that's how people treat it it's an impartation of the anointing of righteousness when God anoints you he sets his perfect righteousness on you and he expects you to preserve that righteousness and you're not going to you're going to stumble, you're going to slip, you're going to eat flies, you're going to do all kinds of... in my dog ain't fly this week. <laughs> you're going to do all kinds of silly things. And you perpetually need to set your eyes back on Messiah and confess Him. He imparts it, He writes us right now, we are righted. Right now. Right now. So, in our Torah portion, we read about the Nahash serpent. And we read, Yahweh said to Moshe, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. And of course, it's connected to our gospel portion in Yohanan. That's why we're reading in the Gospel of John. Because in verse 13 it says there, no man has ascended to heaven except him who came down from heaven. This is Yeshua trying to explain to this Pharisee, this highly educated Jewish man, that the Son of God is the vessel of salvation. You can't do it by yourself. The Pharisees still teach today that you have to be as righteous as you possibly can be and still just rely on God's favor at the end. Alright? And what Yeshua is doing is He's standing, Nicodemus is standing right in front of the Son of God. And Yeshua wants him to see that. And so he's describing himself. No man ascended to heaven except him who came down from heaven. Hello? I'm the Son of God. Even Ben HaAdam. When Yeshua says Ben HaAdam, the Son of Man, he means the Son of God. All right? Because God created mankind. Right? Just as Moshe lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so Ben Hadam is ready to be lifted up. So that every man who trusts in him should not perish, but have chaye olam. So that's in 15. Then he goes on and describes verse 16. But that lifting up that he's talking about, he compared it to the Nahash that we read about in the Torah portion. So if we visit back there, what had happened is Israel had rebelled right after rebellion in the previous chapter. Did you see that? Two rebellions, back to back, about the same exact thing. At the, at the beginning of Fukat, the portion, at the beginning of it, they rebelled again, whining because they have no water. And God tells Moshe this time, strike the rock. So he struck the rock twice out comes water. Bam, they turn around in the next chapter. They travel just a little bit. Oh, we're gonna perish. I'm tired of eating this manna. We don't have any water. We don't have all we have is this light bread. Again. And so God says, Okay, have some snakes. Some venomous, poisonous snakes. And when they start attacking him and they cry out and Moshe prays, God says make a nahash, a saraf nahash, a fiery serpent. I'll get back to that. In Yohanan 12, and of course, Moshe was supposed to lift that serpent up on a pole and have them look at it. So he had to put it where everybody could see it and have them look at it and they, all they had to do was look at that serpent, and they would live. And in Yohanan 12, God the Father had just spoken. What I just read when Yeshua said, the Son of Man must be lifted up, like the serpent in the wilderness. Right before that, God the Father had spoken from heaven. Do you realize that? People heard him. He had just spoken from heaven. Some of them obviously weren't listening and looking for God because they thought it was thunder when I read that this week it reminds me I I used to put up a scripture of the week when I was in the Navy and so I was weird in the Navy because I was a believer and very few people were but when I was on shore duty, I had an office, a desk and I, I put up a scripture of the week and one of them was do you have an arm like God's and can you thunder with a voice like his and he literally spoke to these people in Galilee, and they thought it was thunder. And what had God said to, to them? Yeshua had just prayed to God in front of all these people and said, Father, may you be glorified. And he says, I have been glorified, and I will be again. He's been glorified just by Yeshua walking around Israel, declaring him to Israel. He's going to be glorified again when Yeshua rises from the dead. Virgin birth, resurrection. Two miracles that if you don't believe in them, you don't belong to God. Period. Because if you don't believe in the virgin birth, you don't know God's Son. You know a man. You know a different Jesus than what Paul and Peter and James and John and all those guys preached. And in Galatians, you think I'm crazy to think that people can't preach a different Jesus? Paul said it. Anyone comes to you preaching another gospel other than what we preach to you? Let it be a curse. There are many versions of Jesus slash Yeshua out there. Trust me, in the Messianic community there are false versions of Yeshua. One of them is Yahusha, Yahusha, Hoshua. Yahushua, Yahshua, all these bizarre contrivances of his name, and they come with some garbage doctrine. You have to be careful. So Yeshua says uh, this, and it's about, what I'm talking about is, may you be glorified, the Son of Man must be lifted up like a serpent in the wilderness. And he says that right before the Passover in, in John 13. He goes on and says, now this is the judgment of the world. Now the leader of this world will be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from earth, will draw every man to me. He said this. See, a lot of people think that what Yeshua is talking about right there is when he ascended. And that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when he hung on the tree. He had to be lifted up off the earth to do that. The way, of course, the way that we believe that he was executed, they he carried a beam. Even the Greek scriptures tell you that. Zulon, I believe, is the Greek word that he carried. The, word, the Greek word for cross is tau. That's not what he carried. He carried a zulon in the Greek, which means a stake, which is tselav. In Aramaic. He carried that up the hill They put that on the ground When he got there He laid down on the ground On the earth And laid down with his arms across that beam And they nailed him to the beam And then they probably put ropes on that beam And raised him up into the tree And nailed him on the tree Put his feet into the tree He had to be lifted up From the earth that's what he's talking about and the proof is the very next phrase verse 33 he said this to show by what kind of death he was to die he was not talking about his ascension he was talking about his death Wow! and that's why he compared it to the serpent because that serpent was death for them if they looked at it it caused death of the bite are you with me the sting of death went away when they looked at the serpent but the serpents that bit them was death for them. Are you with us? Yes. So why Nachash? There's other words in Hebrew for snake. Serpent, adder. Just like in English, there's multiple words for snake. There's multiple words in Hebrew as well. Why Nachash? Nachash is what the book of Revelation calls that slant serpent the devil. Crooked, bent, winding, slithering serpent, the devil. That is the word that is used in Gan Eden when the serpent tempted Hava and Adam, Adam and Eve. Yeshua is hanging on a tree and he compares himself to a serpent, and I believe it's the biggest chest move in history. Isn't, isn't the I, I'm not a huge chess player, but sacrificing the queen is like the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So you make a huge sacrifice in order to win the game. Right? If you know that you're, you can make checkmate if you give her up, right? That's exactly what God was doing by hanging Yeshua on the tree. Checkmate is going to rise from the on! Are you with me? Religious Jews thought they had won Rome thought they had won They thought they'd done God a favor By killing Yeshua Because he was blasphemous Going around claiming he was the son of God This is what drives me crazy About certain doctrines Within the realm of faith Particularly in the Christian side of things Especially about calling Jesus God Because there's two places where he's called God in the gospels one in the gospels and one in in the letters but there's 50 60 100 places where he's called the son of God and that's the more important because God can't die God cannot die he is life if God dies we all die, we all die. are you with me yes They hung him because he confessed to be the son of God. That's why they did it. He hung there dead. They didn't see what he had said. They didn't recognize that when he was hanging on that tree, he was taking their sin upon them and taking the sting of death off of them. If they would just look at it. The funny thing is, is the Pharisees were the ones standing there looking at him hanging on the tree. Only one of his disciples was there. Only one. The Pharisees were swarming around him, making sure he was dead. Do you realize that? And they didn't see him as the serpent. The only people who see him that way did not see it. The only John and Mary and Mary were there to see him hanging on the tree. Yet, Millions have been saved since because they saw him hanging on the tree, seeing the kingdom of God. Are you finally with me? Yeah, okay. yes. Do you understand this? <laughs> the sins brought on the world by the serpent in God, Eden, were heaped on Yeshua. That's how he became the serpent hanging on the tree. And only by us looking at him. Can we be saved from our sin? And you're, you're going you're gonna to find and I'm going to hammer Yeshua down your throat and I hate to use that kind of graphic language but I am so sick of people getting off track in spite of the fact that I preach and preach and preach and preach. I don't think that I confuse people. Anybody? I think I make it abundantly clear who it is we worship. Why we worship them? That he is our salvation. We can't do it ourselves. We can't even add one ounce of power to our salvation. Not one. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He bore all our sins and lifted them with his body on the stake, that we, being dead to sin, should live through his righteousness And by his wounds you were healed. Past tense. The promise in Isaiah 53 is were healed. Right? And Peter is saying it that way here. You were healed by him. All you have to do is look at that truth and believe it. That's it. Now, was told that he must be born anew to see the kingdom. He had just asked how Yeshua was doing miracles. In terms Yeshua, if you don't remember, in chapter 2, he had just turned the water into wine. That was huge. It was a wedding. It was probably around Rosh Hashanah. It was, we know for fact, on a Tuesday. You know that for a fact. That's the day that Jewish people get married because life came into existence on a Tuesday. <laughs> it was a big deal to a Pharisee because it was a creative miracle. We say it, and Jews have been saying it ever since they've been putting food in their mouth. Who brings forth bread from the earth. Who creates. Bore pri hakafe. Who creates the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua had just created the fruit of the vine. Every time a Jewish person takes the cup bore Pri Hagafin Right? Yeshua had Hundreds of Jews drunk on the best wine They'd ever tasted If you don't believe they were drunk, read it Just go read it That got his attention he was a Galilean rabbi who also would have understood the significance of that being in the Are you with me? Yes. Jews of that day were looking for the Messiah. They knew that he would be the Son of God. Israel knew including the high priest go read the blog that I wrote this week about the Son of God. The high priest knew back then They knew that the Messiah would be the Son of God. Today, they tap dance around that because they don't want to believe in Yeshua. But they knew it then. But They were blinded by the lust for authority. We're going to come back to that word, lust. For authority, riches, and station. Apparently, Nicodemus wanted to do miracles, and I've taught you this. The Pharisees believed that if they could be more righteous, they could do miracles. They still believe that today. And it's probably true. If you could become perfectly righteous, you might be able to do miracles. As a matter of fact, Menachem Schneerson was purportedly did miracles in New York back in the 80s. I can't verify them, but he has multiple witnesses. He's not a believer in Israel. Of course, Hasatan can do miracles too, right? But nonetheless, Nicodemus probably wanted that. And that's why he came and asked him, how do you do that? We know that you're a teacher sent from Elohim, for no man can do these miracles that you are doing unless God is with you. And Yeshua goes on and explains that it's His presence that is the reason miracles are being done. It's because of who He is, He's the Son of the Creator. very interesting to me as I've already pointed out that Israel started complaining again about water for a third time, twice in her portion complaining about not having water first time it was back in Shemot what shall we drink he cried unto Yahweh and Yahweh showed him a tree, this is back in Exodus 15 Yahweh showed Moshe a tree and he cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet there he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved it. And he said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim, and will do that which is right in his eyes, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which have which I have put upon Egypt, for I am Yahweh, Yahweh your healer, your doctor. This was a mere three days. That first rebellion because of lack of water was here three days after crossing through the Red Sea. They walked through the Red Sea on a highway, a paved highway. And three days later, thought God would abandon them. Yeshua saves us by revealing to us that he is a man risen from the dead. And three days later, we think he's going to amend us. Guess what? I'm preaching to myself. Anybody else? Yeah. been there? The second time they complain about water, they're in Refidim. And it's only two chapters after Exodus 50. Two chapters. And they're complaining about not having water again. And that's where he told them, Behold, I will stand before you there upon the rock in the And you shall smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And he strikes the rock, and water gushes out. And Jewish rabbis today will still teach you that that rock followed them for 40 years. Do you realize that? Rabbis today teach that that rock followed them and gave them water for 40 years. That's not New Testament information. Shaul, Paul, was a rabbi. Was is the operative word. Did you notice? How many letters did he write? Somebody want to go to our webpage, the bar, and count how many letters Paul wrote? They're they're clearly enunciated there. And not once did he sign his name rabbi. Not one time. Not once did anybody call him that. We have one rabbi. My point is, the rabbis today teach something that is in the Bible. And that is that that rock followed them for 40 years. In, In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. Moshe struck it twice. Yeshua died on the tree only one time. He was struck then. Every time he let down, he's tricking again. You. you realize that? Moshe. At one point, was told to speak to the rock. The next time that they have a water episode, which is in our portion, God told him to speak to the rock, and Moshe instead strikes it twice. First time he told him to strike it. Second time he told him to speak to it. That happened not long before Israel was supposed to enter the Promised Land. They drink from gifted water again, and then they turn around 30 seconds later and complain again about not having water. It's human nature. And they complain after they just fought a battle and destroyed this huge nation without much effort at all because God helped them, God gave them the people. And all the while, they have this traveling rock. <laughs> yeah, basically, this huge stone canteen following them everywhere they go. <laughs> it's crazy. And the reason I'm bringing all that up because of all of that is the spirit, Nipah HaMashiach, going against the Messiah. That rock was Messiah. They were complaining about that rock. They were complaining about against Yabba. Did you notice that when Moshe heard their complaint, he said, why do you complain against Yabba? Did you notice that? Many deceivers have appeared in the world who do not acknowledge that Yeshua HaMashiach has come in the flesh. Such a person is a deceiver and opposer of Mashiach. Anyone that doesn't believe that Yeshua is right now, it's present tense. If you check that verse, it is present tense. That Yeshua is come in the flesh. Right now. Right now. Amen. That person is an opposer of Messiah. Israel did not believe that Yah was their salvation, who was following them around. Didn't believe it. People today who think that Yeshua is not in a human body. They've got him morphed into some other identity. They are an opposer of the anointing. People who who look at you and tell you that Messiah is not in you, when you know that you can confess with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength that Yeshua is the Son of God and he's your Savior, they are the opposer of Messiah. The very thing they're putting on you, which is fear that you don't belong to him, is the thing that they are. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what people do? Is put on you the very lie that defines them. Is that right? Yes. And that brings us back to being born again. Messiah in us is our hope. The, being, the idea of being born anew into Messiah. Was a biblical mystery that the Jewish people were supposed to see. And I already told you, most of Israel understood back then, not now, but back then they understood that the Messiah would be the Son of God. They didn't see it, the depth that it was supposed to go. Yeshua plainly taught it. Moshe speaks of me, he says, I will rise in three days, I will die and rise in three days. It's a mystery. But it's on the surface of the text in the Psalms. Psalm 2, one of my favorites. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth revolt and rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his Messiah. It's very clearly a messianic psalm. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. This is the people revolting against God and his Messiah. He that sits in heaven will laugh. Adonai has them in derision. Then will he speak unto them in his wrath and frighten them in his sore displeasure. Truly it is I that have established my king in Zion, my holy mountain. Yeshua said, you're going to see the kingdom of God, right? I will tell of the decree, this is where God is defining who his king will be, the one he's going to see on a throne in Jerusalem Yahweh said unto me You are my son This day have I begotten you Every rabbi knows That God is a messianic prophecy He clearly says You are my son We just Didn't we just say Against Yahweh and against his Messiah He's talking to his son He's talking to his Messiah And he says you are my son this day have I begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of your earth for your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O you kings, be wise and be admonished, you judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Nashkuvar. Kiss the sun. Lest he be angry and you perish. In the way. Avai. Same word as Yeshua said, You won't perish if you trust him. Kiss the Son, lest you perish in the way, when suddenly his wrath is kindled. Happy are all they that take refuge in him. In whom? In the Messiah, in the Son. It's as plain as day. But God calls it a mystery. Paul calls it a mystery. Several places in the Brich Harashai in the New Testament, he calls the gospel the mystery. It was hidden in plain sight. There it is. Do you guys see it? This mystery, this so that I've been trying to get into people's heads cemented there, including in my own head. I don't ever want to step off of that foundation. Ever. Incidentally, Refidim is where they had the episode of the water the second time and refudim means established firmly I find that interesting uh, the mystery is in Colossians 1 is where Shaul Paul calls the mystery even the mystery which has been hidden from the ages from generations but now is revealed and there are places where Yeshua said that his, the son was sent to reveal his father alright so this mystery has been revealed To his holy ones To whom Elohim wanted to make known The riches of his splendor Of this mystery among the nations Which is Messiah in you The hope of our glory. Him we declare and teach Who? Messiah Him we declare and teach And make known to every man In all wisdom that we may cause Every man to become perfect Through Yeshua HaMashiach and to this end, I labor and strive through the help of the power which is given to me. Is it any wonder that after the episode of the serpent that we have a well spring up? And it's the same well where they were the first time when God gave them water out of the ground with the tree and put it in the water to make it sweet, And then this time, they finally get it right. The well is not springing up yet. They have to tell it with their song. Spring up. All answer it, it says. We, in our translation, it says sing unto it, which is good because they're singing. But the word there is answer it. Answer the well. Or answer the song. Maybe tell in the well. Answer the song. Spring up. Are you with me? They're doing it by faith this time. They're trusting that God, that hey, we've been here before. Spring up, old well. The well that the princes digged, and the nobles of the people delved with the scepter with their stake. No, they didn't. (laughs) You with me? The well that the princes digged, and the nobles of the people delved or dug out, with their scepter and with their staves. The elders did not need that well and God did. The elders are doing it just then when they're singing. I'm going to repeat that last verse of Colossians 1, verse 28. Him, Messiah, we declare and teach and make known to every man in all wisdom that we may cause every man to become perfect through Yeshua HaMashiach to this end. Perfect through Yeshua HaMashiach. That's what I was talking about. Being born again means that you start a journey of moving from one glory to the next, of being transformed by God every single day of your life, changing constantly, becoming more and more like Him. It's not about being saved, getting your ticket punch, sitting down, and enjoying breakfast. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people treat faith. I'm saved, I'm done. and they may not even belong to him. If they treat God that way, they may not even belong to him. And every man, so Shalul Paul is writing here to the Colossians and he's telling them, teach him, teach Messiah so that they can be perfected. Does it support what I'm trying to say to you? To this end, I labor and strive through the help of the power which is given me. So I don't know what it was, I don't know why, I do believe it was God. Melanie noticed that I got up very, very, very early this morning. And I got up because I had been lying there after having having to get up because I'm an old man. I was lying there and praying. And you just have to read the blog that I posted this morning because I could not not write it right then because I I lay there thinking the thoughts that are expressed. I tried to get them as clearly expressed in my blog. Mind you, in the morning, but I tried to get it as clearly expressed in that blog as I possibly could. And so I'm looking at it, the blog. I'm not going to read it to you because it is extensive, but. I thought of the seven levels of heaven because what was my prayer? I want to be at shalom because this world is doing its dead level best to take peace away from everybody. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Is it just me? Yes, we are. It's right. everybody. Yes. And take peace away. And I I told y'all several years ago, I want to guard my shalom. I want to be at peace. I don't want Hasatan in my mix. I don't want to deal with it. Not that I'm not going to deal with him. I want to be effective. I want to have, I pray for it every morning for me and my family and you guys. It's home. I want conquest. If it has to be like Reagan, peace through strength, that's what I would. And so I was thinking about Shalom. And I was thinking about being better at it. Because look at Shoul. Just one example. There's Mo. Paul. In prison. I can't remember, was it Bar or Silas? I can't remember who was in there with him with their backs torn open. Was it Bar Abba? I think it was. Right. Uh, it was. I might have the wrong name there. Uh, but nonetheless, their backs were torn open, and Shool says what? What did he say to him? Sing! Sing! Mm. They've been accused of blasphemy. They've been probably stoned to some degree, and they've been beaten such their backs are bleeding. And they're in prison, chained to the wall. And Paul says, sing, boy. I want to be that guy. Not that I want my my back torn open and I'm chained to the wall, but when things hit me, I want to be that guy. So that's what's in my mind this morning is getting there. Because I know I'm not. Yeah. I'm a whole lot better than I was. And I maintain my faith. So I'm not not talking about I'm off way over here in the weeds. But I started thinking about the seven levels of heaven and the fact that Paul says that we go from one glory to the next, and that Yeshua talked about being glorified and glorified again and this progression, the idea of progression of getting closer to God and the fact that the temple is a picture of that. You live way off over here and you make an ascent to Jerusalem and then when you get there you go up seven levels to get all the way to the Holy Holies. Now I had all that in my mind in a a, a, a Torah study that I, I taught, I don't know, 15 years ago, none of you were there, about a rainbow between two menorahs. You were there, of course. <laughs> but a rainbow, I extended a rainbow between two minorities because I was just curious about it. And this, the spiritual gifts of God, which are seven, and there are seven colors in a rainbow, Roy G. Big, if you can't remember them, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, and go violet. All right? And stepping through those levels to get up to God, which is the top spirit, yes. Yes. and then I thought, I know it's the word of God that helps me get there, and so I think of the words. I tend to never read, but I start at the bottom. Why? Because the the problem with most of this is And I've taught you this, and the last one says, "Look, Do not covet. it, and all the sins that are above it. Even though it's the last on the list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the ones that are above it come out of that one. It's chimud. That's the noun form of the verb tachmod. It's chimud. It drives. It's the motor behind lying about your neighbor, stealing from your neighbor, lusting after your neighbor's wife, taking her in adultery taking your someone's husband in adultery, taking someone else in adultery because you, neither of you are married, it's all adultery. Yeah. Alright? Uh, murder comes out of that. You want something that they have or you got mad at them. It, it's, it's all rooted in Hebrew. Every bit of it. And I started counting the sins that we're told not to commit from the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's the seventh one. It's the seventh one. So if you can conquer the motor down at the bottom, then you won't do the other things, and you'll start moving up toward heaven. And when you get there, you're on the Sabbath. You're at rest. Are you getting Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to read Paul's verse one more time And then we'll go Him We declare and teach and make known to every man When When someone comes to you wanting to know Why Your focus should always be Yeshua Because Yeshua Not because Torah Are you with me? Because Yeshua if you distract them with Torah and they're Christian, they're going to they're gonna shut you down. And if they're Jewish, they're going to shut you down because they've been taught that only the rabbis can interpret that thing. You have to convince them about Yeshua. You have to show them that you're doing what Yeshua did. By doing what I'm doing, I'm doing what Yeshua did. Everything. Are you with me? Him we declare and teach and make known to every man in all wisdom that we may cause every man to become perfect through Yeshua. That's my desire for you guys. That you become perfect in Messiah, not arrogant. Because the more perfected you are, the more humble you become. So if you're becoming more arrogant, you're going in the wrong direction. And that was a problem not so long ago. And to this end, and I felt a companionship with Paul when I read this phrase, and to this end, I labor and strive for the help of the power which is given me. That's my desire for you guys, for me as well. I'm not saying that I'm there and I'm, I'm not arrogant. You guys should know that. I desire it for me. I desire it for all of you and anyone else that we can possibly reach. In the name of Yeshua, we Amen. 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 Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.